Hi, and welcome to Decoding AQ, helping you to learn the tools, mindsets, and actions to thrive in an ever-changing world. Hi, and welcome to our next edition of Decoding AQ. I've got with me Ashley Buggy, and she's a best-selling author, speaker, and something that excited me was an explorer. And you went from, as you describe, living your dream life in Hawaii to unexpectedly becoming a military widow and then you know a a young age at 34 and Mm -hmm. one of the things I think that attracted me to reach out in the beginning Ashley was just some of your heartfelt stories that you were sharing online uh, really resonated in how you turned this very tragic experience into something that was uh, enlightening for you and your family and maybe many others. So thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Ross. I'm excited to talk to you. So yeah, just give me a little bit uh, more and the, the listeners a bit about that background and uh, perhaps some of your journey just to start us off. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my husband, Brian, uh, and I were married in 2013. We had dated when I was 20 and he was 21, um, honestly just dated a summer. And then he was kind of like head first, head over heels. Like, let's get married. Let's, I'm going to join the military. We'll get married. We'll have kids. We'll travel the world. We'll live at the coast and we'll just live this dream life. And, um, while it was like, I think you're the person for me, it was also like, I'm 20 years old Like no way. Like, get out of here. I don't want to be married at 20 years old. Um, like, I don't even know what I want for dinner tonight. I'm not ready to get married or have kids or any of that. So we went our separate ways, uh, for eight years and then lived completely separate lives. We still had mutual friends. So we still kind of, we never talked, but kind of kept tabs on one another, I guess you could say. Um, and then eventually just found our way back to one another. Um, through a phone call. And from that very first phone call in January, 2013, um, it was just, you're still the exact same person that I knew I loved back then. And we're older, we're wiser, we're, this is the good, this is the time. This is the right person. Now it's the right time. And so we were married just 10 months after that. We're married uh, at the Oregon coast here in the States. And from that moment on, we just lived this incredibly beautiful life together. We, we traveled the world together. We basically did everything that he said we were going to do uh, when we were 20 years old. List. Yeah. yeah. And now here we are almost 30. Um, each of us, you know, had, had done a lot of traveling prior to that. We'd both learned to sail. We had both done a lot of exploration and had really cool opportunities presented to us that we took advantage of. But then when we came together, we were just unstoppable. Like any idea that he had or that I had, there was never, and we both had full-time careers. We both had all these things going on, but there was never a moment of, "Mm, you probably shouldn't do that because, or we can't do that because, or there was never like, that's not going to work. It was, that's what you want to do. Okay. Let's figure out a way to make that work together. You know, he was in the military, so he had, he was deployed often. He had to travel a lot for work. I worked full-time. I was in school full-time. But we still just knew like, this is our one life, our one chance to do this. And so 
I think that really was what just really built us up as this couple. It was, yeah. we just had the confidence to tackle anything. What a gift to yeah. find that moment uh, for both of you to lean in to life yeah. together. And yeah. uh, the, in all the people I speak to, you know, the relevance and context, those are just choices, right? Mm-hmm. to choose to behave like that to think like that to do it and to be yeah. in flow with one another um a a great opportunity and great experience yeah and just so it just instills this confidence in you of just mm-hmm. there's nothing that i can't do like if i want to do this you're right all i have to do is just go do it <laughs> find a way to do it and then to have a partner who felt the exact same way and not only felt the same way but pushed you and encouraged you and found ways to help you establish that or or make it happen it was just it was just incredible um and then we brought kids into the mix through all of that um we had uh, our daughter in 2014 so actually personal story when we got married on a sunday uh in 2013 Brian deployed Friday, so five days later on a six-month submarine tour. So he was under the ocean for six months. And um, that was on a Friday. On Monday, so three days after he left and we said our goodbye for the next six months, I found out I was pregnant with our daughter, Isabel. So he left. Talk about adaptability, you know, (laughs) in terms of going from this, you know, moments of, um, you know, huge emotional, you know, uh, physical, everything journey of two people going through life mm-hmm. to then being separated at various moments. Yeah. Uh, that, oh, how do I figure out what I do now and how I function? Yeah. And who and what do I talk to? And yep. all of those things. And then that news, a life changing uh, event for sure. Yeah. And then he, yeah, exactly. It was, it was a lot. And then knowing I was going to go through this pregnancy without my husband there, Mm -hmm. without being even able to talk to him, you know, we'd go a full month without even an email to each other. So I was really kind of in it on my own with that. And then he came home and here I am six months pregnant. (laughs) And yeah, it was just really, it was just I don't know, with him by my side, there literally just was nothing that I didn't feel like I was capable. It doesn't mean it wasn't hard. It doesn't mean I wish things were different or that our circumstances were, you know, easier or the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, sometimes I wish like. I've got got a question, Ashley, at that time, if you can cast your mind back to, you know, you said goodbye five days after being newlyweds for six months that you go, okay, I'm getting my head around that. Um, and then find out you're pregnant. What was your life like in terms of your thinking? Because what I want to bring this as of context is you, you know, we all set something up of what we think our future is going to be like, and then stuff changes. Yeah, uh, we might expect it. Oh, you married somebody in the military, so you expect them to go away. Yeah. But then when it happens, and it sort of often these things come at the same time as other parts that then change the entire feeling. Did mm-hmm. you put things on pause, hunker in and hunker down for your man to return for Brian to come back? <laughs> Did you change what you do? What was it like in that kind of six month period of how you were thinking and what you were doing from the life yeah. you had before? That's a really good question. So 
for me, there's not, I mean, up until we get to this part of the story, there's not really much that brings me down. There's not much that, um, that I know I can't get through. There's not much that, um, I'm willing to like, let deter me. I'm super stubborn, super hard headed. So, and I'm very goal oriented. So once I get something in my head, it's like, it doesn't matter how I get there. I'm okay. I'm very adaptable and flexible. And if things are thrown at me while I'm on my way to that goal, okay. As long as I know I'm still working towards that goal. So yeah, I'm sure things shifted a little bit, but no, I was still out sailing, kayaking, traveling, hanging out with friends. Like you can grow a baby and do all of those things at the same time. In in my head, this is my one life. I only get this set amount of time. So I want to do everything that I want to do during that time. To be full. I, I think it's, you know, one of those things where, as you described, and in a lot of conversations I've had, the power of goals and the flexibility of how is a potent mix and looking at progress uh, not what you haven't done in each of those pieces is a key you know element to be additive not corrosive to confidence yeah Um, and I guess having those little moments where some things go right some things don't but looking at the progress uh, along the way so fast forward us a little bit further in the in the story he comes home fine, you know, six months pregnant and what goes on for there for you? Yeah. So we had our daughter, um, we continued sailing, you know, we owned a sailboat and we love spending time on the water together. Um, so we would bring now our child sailing. We had this idea, which I'm sure a lot of parents have before they have kids, but we said, and we stuck to it that we weren't going to adapt to our baby's world. Instead, we were going to have our baby adapt to our world. And we didn't want to stop being who we were. And we didn't want to stop doing the things that we love, including learning new things and exploration and all the things that have been really important to us as individuals. We didn't want to stop that and now just be this unit of a family and now just go to the park on the weekends or just go, you know, do home improvement projects. We certainly did those too, but in our world, it was, okay, now how do we adapt to now bring our baby with us to travel the world and to sail across oceans and to do these things that are important to us? Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of how we we started our, our journey of parenthood. It was just from the very beginning, okay, we're still us, but now we've got a baby in tow and maybe we, you know, have to settle down for the hour and a half of the day where she takes a nap. But after that, we're going to get back out there and we're going to go for a hike or we're going to go, you know, do whatever. Um, I think that's a really key aspect that all of us face in terms of to adapt our surroundings to us or us to our surroundings. Yeah. And then the complexities when that is more than a single unit, when (laughs) it's then, you know, a couple and a family and in work, a team and mm-hmm. an organization. You know, it's this constant sort of poetic dance between are we wanting everyone to adapt to us or us to them, to that new process or this opportunity? And the clarity of making those decisions allow you to live very purposefully. Yeah. And uh, I remember a great quote that someone uh, gave me that it's the, the yeses and nos are absolutely fine but it's the maybes that kill you and the 
okay, we've got kids, but we're going to be us. Uh, and they're going to come along for the ride of what yeah. that is. Um, it reminds me, have you ever seen the, the um, documentary uh, called Given? No. It's um, the first uh, movie I watched or, um, you know, mini film documentary thing on, on a new telly I bought. And it was an ultra high def on Netflix um, bit of content. And it's narrated by, I think he's maybe five or six years old. His name is called Given, and they're a couple that travel around the world um, and their family, you know, of young kids just follow them. I think one was an ex-pro surfer, the other one was a filmmaker, and it's just beautifully poetic and done, and it's, it's narrated from the child's recollections of all of these experiences nice. of meeting shamans or going to this island or all these things. So it reminded me a little bit of that. And when we come... Yeah to the latter bits of, you know, your uh, film and movie pieces that are starting to happen. It, it uh, was something I wanted to ask you about, but. Awesome. Uh, I just wrote it down. I'm going to go watch yeah, that. Given it's beautiful. It's beautifully yeah. shot. It's quite poetic. Um, and it just has a nice twist that it's just narrated by a young child. Awesome. Uh, and that's nice. You know, I, I, uh, I liked that uh, in the, those pieces. So can carry on because I, I yeah. can't wait for being able to uh, <laughs> go through the next bits. The smallest prime and the only even prime. My Alexa just started up. <laughs> Is that your Alexa just? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, okay, so yeah, we had we had our daughter. We um, at this point, my husband uh, was working on a submarine based in Hawaii. Um, we didn't have to move there yet. We owned our home in Washington state. We had our sailboat in Washington state. We were pretty set up in Washington state. So instead he was traveling to Hawaii pretty much two weeks of every month to get ready for this next deployment. Um, so often my daughter and I would fly over to Hawaii, uh, and spend weekends there. You know, if we wanted to see him, we had to make, make it happen. We had to find ways to make it happen. So that included a lot of trips across the ocean with me and a three month old four month old, five month old, um, which we didn't mind. We loved Hawaii anyways. And then um, our, oh, so one of the trips to Hawaii, um, when Brian and I first started dating and I was, I was over at his house, he had this piece of paper stuck to his refrigerator and it said, learn to scuba dive, $99, um, you know, like fun, adventure, water, excitement, like all these like yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like all these things that that's us. We, we need yeah, to do that. Written for you. Written for yeah. You. yeah. <laughs> and Brian, you know, on, on the fridge, I was like, oh, you know, what's this? We should do this. He's like, I know I've been wanting to, to learn to scuba dive forever. And I was, you know, I've always loved the water, the ocean. I'm like a fish myself. And I was like, let's do it. Then we got pregnant. You can't dive while you're pregnant. So one of these trips to Hawaii after we had had Isabel, um, we had some friends that lived there and we dropped our daughter Isabel off with them. And Brian was like, I've got a surprise date for you. And we drove down to this marina, parked the car, walked out, and then there it is, this big truck. It wasn't the same flyer, but it said, you know, learn to scuba dive, uh, discover scuba dive. And we walked up to it and I was like, are we diving? And you know, we'd waited like two years at this point to learn to dive. And he had surprised me with this Discover Scuba Dive. So we did our very first scuba dive together in Hawaii there. Um, 
did all of our drills, you know, popped up out of the ocean for the first time after breathing on our regulators and were just like the biggest heart eyes, like life-changing moment, knowing you could breathe underwater and getting to see all of the sea life in this place that we just loved. And it was, it was just quite literally life-changing. Um, and a few months later, we flew to Mexico and we got certified to scuba dive in Mexico so that we could dive wherever we wanted, whenever yep. we wanted. And uh, yeah, from that moment on, we became scuba divers. Do you have a view or a reflection on what drives your curiosity and adventure? <laughs> you know, the, the, the explore inside you, is it from your parents? Is it just it snowballed you were you know yeah. this junkie of experiences that just led well I've done that one so I need to do another one yeah. I've seen this place I need to go to another place and it just happenstance or was it goal oriented right there's this many cities this many countries I want to get them all let's get them done <laughs> how did it I work for you in that curiosity yeah yeah you know with the term FOMO fear yep. of missing out I have a serious case of FOMO I, there is nothing that I don't want to see or experience or do. I just, I really have this thing inside of me that says life is going to end at some point. And if I die before I see these things that I know exist or know happen, and I haven't seen them with my own eyes, what am I going to do? If I haven't smelled that smell that people have talked about, or if I haven't seen the inside of that cave that I know I've seen a picture of, and I want to see that, I just there's just something inside of yeah. me. And I feel like people that have explorers hearts, you just feel it and you, yeah. you ha it's just, it's just, just in you. it bubbles up. Collector of experiences. Yeah. And, and then once you do it, you can't not do it. Like once you've traveled the world or traveled even to a country, it's just inside of you. Like you've done it. You've, you know, you can do it. Like you just now want to see the rest of the world. And I think it feeds a lot of, uh, human nature of this balance between uh, two desires, you know, for certainty and uncertainty. Yeah. Um, why we do things a second time, watch a movie for a second time, play a sport for a second time, third time, fourth time, because there's elements of those two things of certainty and uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And from our kind of research and what we're trying to do of adaptability to make sure people don't get left behind. So when there's an abundance of opportunity or there's a change required. You know, people have one job, that job shifts or change. They have one task, they have relationships, they have teams, companies that they work with, and it all moves. If we're living yeah. life, it moves. And a lot what you've talked about, I can just feel it and see it, this energy and excitement when these experiences fill you with heart eyes. Yeah. <laughs> but life isn't always filled with experiences that are heart eye ones. Right. They can be incredibly sad and, um, you know, debilitating, paralyzing experiences. Um, and they're not necessarily the ones that we go searching for, but they show up in our lives um, for various bits. And I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it, but I think it's a very relevant for everyone to hear perhaps those uh, moments for you when yeah. you found out Brian wasn't going to be part of your uh, next chapter yeah. and how you managed to deal with that. Because uh, I feel very fortunate that the people around me that I've lost 
the closeness has always been that little bit further away. You know, it's been my wife's father or various bits rather than my number two, you know, my number one, you know, in my life. So tell me a little bit about that experience, if we may. And and thank you for giving me the opportunity and permission to do that when we first met to ask you. Yeah, so... um... Yeah, this is where the story shifts, <laughs> fair warning. <laughs> uh, so 2017, um, we now had a son as well. So now we've got Isabel and Hudson, they're ages one and three. Um, Brian gets promoted in the military. He's now, um, he's made it to the rank of ensign, which means he has done so well for himself in the Navy that they have recognized him and said, of everybody in the Navy, more or less, we're gonna choose six people Navy-wide for this one specific designator, and we're gonna promote you um, across the line. So instead of being an enlisted, an enlisted rank, you're now gonna be an officer. And that happens so rarely. Um, And I only say that so you know, like what a, a big, big deal this was for him and for his career and for us as a family, this is, this is something people in the military, like this is, this is high up there of things yeah, that you this is the, want to do. A big event. Yes. Um, so August, 2017, uh, he got, he made that promotion. Actually, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Uh, he found out he was going to get that promotion in February. Um, we knew when he was going to get it. We had just bought this new sailboat, well, an old sailboat, but new to us sailboat. And um, it was like, okay, well now we know we're gonna move. We know we're gonna move to Hawaii. We know we're gonna want our sailboat in Hawaii. How are we gonna get our sailboat to Hawaii? Well, from our, I don't know, craziness or this whole life of like, yeah, do it. It became that Brian was gonna sail our sailboat to Hawaii. Um, So in July, July 6, 2017, him and three of our friends set off from Gig Harbor, Washington and spent three weeks sailing this 36 foot yellow sailboat across the ocean to Hawaii. And we all flew over, my kids and I flew over to meet him there, welcome the boat coming into the harbor, which was just- Amazing experience. Yes, the highlight of his life. Like the smile that was on his face when he got off that boat, just honestly of happiness that he was now on land, happiness of accomplishing it, knowing all of the trials and tribulations that he had had to go through out there for three weeks in open ocean, he was a changed man. Like this was not the same Brian that left Gig Harbor. And it was the most incredible thing to witness and to watch and to know that he had done that. We flew home two days later, um, August 1st, he got promoted to an officer he flew off to his officer training school and I moved to Hawaii with the two kids, packed up all of our household stuff, bought everything the cars, the dog, everything shipped off myself and two kids across the ocean to Hawaii. And then Brian met us there in September. And so from September, 2017 on, we were just living our dream life. We had this playground as our backyard. We had two beautiful kids, uh, our dog, um, we were just honestly like we we could not believe that Feeling this was really our life. blessed. Yes, yeah. like every day we'd watch these airplanes fly over our house and just be like, "Suckers, you know, you have to fly home. We get to live here." <laughs> like it was 
honest, I just, this is years ago now. And I still just get this like feeling inside of me. That's just like, I can't believe that we got to live that life. We sailed, we, we dive, we just were outside every day. We'd get off work, we still had to work, but we'd get off work and we'd take the kids to the beach and play in the ocean in Hawaii in paradise. And it was just so beautiful. Um, and then December, uh, I found out we were pregnant with our third child and we had had two miscarriages that year. So finding out on Christmas, we found out Christmas day, um, was really exciting, but also really scary at the same time, because we were now like worried about another miscarriage. Um, but deep within, I, I kind of felt, I kind of felt like this one was going to stick and I don't know why, but I knew that this one, we were going to have our child from it. Um, and anyway, so the next few months, um, we just spent hanging out on the island, you know, living this dream life as a family with our two kids, ages one and three. I was pregnant. Brian um, started this dive training on a closed circuit rebreather. It was a course he, he'd wanted to start since we moved to the island. Um, it's a very like complex piece of equipment. It's not recreational scuba diving equipment. Um, but he started the training for that and then he was in it for a little while. Um, and then May, uh, 20th, 2018, uh, he woke up to go to class for the day. This was his last training dive of this specific class. Um, my two kids, I'm sick, almost six months pregnant at this point. My two kids are at home with me and we're sitting on the couch getting ready for the day. Um, and my phone rings and it's an unknown number. And, you know, the temptation was there to not answer it, of course, because I'm thinking it's a sales call. Um, but because of Brian's military service, you know, anytime your spouse is in potential danger as a military spouse and an unknown number calls you just intrinsically, you know, like, what if something happened to my spouse? I should probably answer this. So I answered it you know, expecting to hear who's your insurance carrier. And instead it's, it's a panicked man on the other end of the phone saying, this is the manager of the dive shop. Uh, your husband was in an accident. Where are you? Are your kids with you? Where are you? We're coming to get you. And, you know, I'm stunned. I'm not, I'm not expecting that phone call. I had just kissed Brian goodbye an hour and a half before that morning and watched him drive away in our truck. And I'm, I'm saying, you know, what? No, no, this is Ashley. You know, Brian's in a dive class. No, no. And he said, no, this is the, the dive shop manager. We're coming to get you. Where are you? There was an accident. And I think I gave him my address. I must have, or I must've said I was at home because a few minutes later, here's a strange car pulling in my driveway and I'm loading my kids into this car, my big pregnant belly. I'm getting into the car. I'm making a phone call to my one friend on the island saying there was an accident. I need you to meet me at the hospital. I don't know what's happened. I don't know if Brian's alive. I don't know what I'm walking into. And, you know, fast forward through the, the sad details, I guess. But um, I find out about an hour later uh, that he didn't make it and that he had died in a scuba diving accident basically in our backyard, you know, in, in the same waters that he and I had dived in together for the very first time, you know, the same waters that we surfaced from that dive and just 
were all smiles and laughing and that's where he had taken his last breath. And um, yeah, my one and three-year-old in the car, you know, waiting for me to come back out. They don't know what's happening. They're in the car with a stranger. I'm crumpled on the hallway floor of this hospital screaming my big belly in front of me. Just, it was, it was a nightmare. It was completely a nightmare. And You know, a for everyone listening, I'm sure, like me, when you were telling me the story before and, and again, um, this is something that, you know, as humans, uh, our grief, all of those bits, we're not trained, we're not equipped to deal with that. These things just happen. And like many things, we have to figure it out as we go along uh, in those. And you can read a book, you can hear a story, you can watch a movie, but it never prepares us for those moments. And I think that's one of the fundamentals for me that excites me about adaptability is that if we can't predict what we're gonna be facing, um, good or bad, I want to empower people to have the right tools in their kit bag to survive that as well as possible you know, from having friends around you, the team support to having mini goals. I remember you talking to me before about, you know, when someone's struggling with something, just getting out of bed is an accomplishment, Yeah. you know, and, and these things. And perhaps, you know, people who might be facing and struggling through something right now, it might not be as tragic as what you've just taken us through the journey of, but it could still be their worst day they've had. Yeah. What kind of advice would you give somebody who is perhaps st- struggling with something right now where you know, many are locked down, trapped, cut off from social interactions, not seeing loved ones, all sorts of yeah. bits. What, what advice having lived those moments, huge highs to an incredible low, what would you give to, to help people through that? Yeah, I think first of all, it's it's super important what you just said to acknowledge that it doesn't matter what the worst day of your life is. What matters is that you've experienced it and that you know that type of pain and sadness and grief and confusion and frustration. That's those are emotions that we can all relate to. And that's the same dog we moved to Hawaii and back with me. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, what, what the actual catalyst was. It's that you've been there. And I think for anyone who has had those kinds of emotions, the biggest piece of advice I could, I could give would be to find an outlet, find something that gives, that drives you, that gives you purpose, that gives you this idea of I'm working towards something. And you're right. You know, day one, maybe it's getting out of bed. Maybe it's drinking a glass of water or feeding yourself or trying to get outside and go for a walk. Um, you know, in your case, hopefully it's not negative three degrees, but getting outside and doing something. And then hopefully as you meet these minuscule goals, which sound ridiculous when you're in a good headspace, like, you know, how hard can it be to get out of bed when you're there though? It is debilitating. It is that hard to get out of bed because you just want to live in that grief and in that sadness, but embrace it, recognize it's okay to feel that way. As long as you know, you're working towards getting out of it. And, you know, for me, it became writing, it became 
I'd have all of this sadness and devastation inside of me. And I know if I keep it inside of me, it's going to crush me. It's going to consume me and I'm not going to be around tomorrow. And so it became, I'm just going to start writing and I'm just going to try to get this out of me and put it on paper and publish it and let the world read it. So I know it's there. And if I need to come back to it, I can, and I can live in that same mindset and those same thoughts. But I also feel like once I've written it and I've shared it, I can move on to that next step and I can move forward a little bit. And I feel like that's pretty equilateral. You can, you can put that into anything. It could be, you want to start training for a marathon. Okay. Get outside and, and walk around your block. That's step one. Maybe tomorrow you jog, you know, a quarter of a mile and you walk the rest and you just start taking these little steps, building towards something. But if you give yourself a goal, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be, it could be hiking a mountain. It could be, you know, painting something. It doesn't need to take Mm -hmm. a lot of money or a lot of time, but giving yourself a goal and not just that, but the confidence and the will to, to take the steps to meet that goal is is what got me through it. And I think is, is pretty, it's what I'm teaching my kids to do. It's, it's pretty resound across the board. You're, you're able to do that if you give yourself the will to do it. I think those things that you've just shared of find an outlet, whatever that looks like a pen and paper or keyboard and screen, a friend, whatever it may be to, um, to have that dialogue to be able to have some form of connection yeah, um, because it's severed from what was to what will be, whatever that was, was, you know, of person, job, thought, manifestation of uh, beliefs uh, of those things. And then to incrementally make steps and know that each step is progress. And that might be hard if you're judging and referencing on your before you know, when you were talking about all of this just abundant energy of experience and excitement to judge a day of getting out of bed with the day that, you know, he got off the boat um, after sailing for three weeks. Yeah, That's not the sort of judgment that's perhaps super helpful in that moment. It's just, I was in bed, now I'm not in bed. (laughs) that's That's the kind of reflection. And that's, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I admire you to get to the point where now, you know, your adventurous spirit is, you know, been emerging, blossoming and being gifted to your children on exploring, on going on adventures with them. And I think the skills that are required for humans to navigate this future we have of a speeding up of everything this balance to be able to pause and reflect, to just take a moment of calm and then get on a roller coaster and yeah. ride it and scream um, with joy and fear is what life is. And uh, I'm, I'm really interested in terms of your, your children now and the having been through those things as a human being, what are the skills and sort of lessons and um, areas that you're focusing on with them? Um, I'd be really curious to know. Yeah, these kids, I mean, all kids these days, honestly, like this is a crazy, crazy time for kids ages 
well, any kids really, but, you know, older than like two or three who have kind of lived a life of quote unquote normal. And now everything around them has shifted and not just everything around them, but the way that their parents or people around them are viewing things and talking about things. Um, it's just bonkers. So thankfully or unthankfully, my kids have been thrust into a kind of a life of chaos leading up to this pandemic. Um, you know, Izzy was three, Hudson was one when their dad died. And obviously that kind of set things off of, we don't know what tomorrow's going to look like anymore. And we don't know what it's going to feel like or what we're going to be talking about or the emotions that are going to come with us. We moved off the island. We moved again. Um, you know, eventually we picked up travel again and, um, you, you know, went on a European tour, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we did. We we went on a, a two month trip through Europe. We traveled for two months through eight countries of Europe, um, just to try to find. I mean, for a multitude of reasons, but the main reason was to try to find some of that confidence back in myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to prove to myself that I could simultaneously hold this place of grief and sadness and loss of Brian with finding that piece of me that was inside of me before with that adventurous spirit and that need to tackle things and not being fearful. And yeah, it, it just became this, this, that's going to be my outlet. <laughs> you, you beautifully framed there, this paradoxical thinking, a mental flexibility to hold two opposing thoughts yeah. in the mind at the same time and not end up in, you know, a padded cell or a straitjacket, yeah. you know, to, to hold this sense of grief, of fear, of all of those bits, and go and do the very same thing again, uh, and travel and explore, and even go scuba diving again. Yeah. Um, and there was a very touching story you were sharing with me about um, the anniversary and scuba diving and things which, to me, sums up an incredible resilience that's not about bouncing back it's about bouncing forward yeah. and to go to a place of of betterment to use it as fuel and to hold this sort of mental flexibility of that negative and experience and still exploring curiosity that is you that is who you are um to live in the same person um and not need medication you know i mean these <laughs> the, the, these things of of we are so powerful as human beings of what our capabilities of and we're limited only by our ambition mm -hmm. and uh, you've inspired me a lot through you know a lot of your writings so thank you uh for for sharing those and perhaps just to 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 wrap up for everybody you know who might have you know their teams who might consider you know, even their family, of what they're going through when they're in, you know, unnatural situations like we're facing, you know, we're trying to homeschool, the environment's changed, our job, is it secure, unsecure? How do we face each day um, and move forward and be best versions of that day? And if the best version was getting out of bed, was smiling, was making the breakfast for the kids or giving a task to a new member of team, that it by definition is a best day so yeah. just share with me the little uh story about the anniversary the bravery and um you know the um i guess just the endless 
experience curiosity that you have as a person around what you're doing <laughs> going back scuba diving yeah. and it's you can call it share. stupidity it's okay like it's a, it's a fine line of bravery no. versus <laughs> um <laughs> yeah well first I want to touch real quick on on the kid question because yes. I think I think my honestly my biggest learning lesson through all of this is we all say how resilient and adaptable kids are and it's absolutely true but you have to foster that environment for them you can't just expect them to be okay you have to create experiences and education and a, a comfortable, confident environment for them to feel safe, to be resilient and to be adaptive and to grow knowing that they can fall back to. And, you know, my kids, they really are tough as nails. They are so curious and they're so smart and funny and powerful, but they also have off days. And I have to remember that just like me, they're experiencing all these crazy emotions and it's based on what they're hearing. And I can guide them as much as I can. And this is the same for anybody in a leadership role, you know, employees, staff, anybody, you can guide them and you can tell them what to do or what to, how to do it. But unless you're really giving them this environment of feeling safe to do that, it's not going to work and they're going to hear what you say, but they're going to watch how other people are doing it or what's going on around them. And that's going to be their guidance. So as a mom, I've, I've really just watched how I'm guiding them and how I'm leading these kids and I'm doing it by, am I the, am I raising them to be the person that I am? And if I'm telling them one thing and doing something else, it's not going to happen. So it's that modeling, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Is that, that safety, that fostering the environment in which we can thrive to try yeah. new things, to do new things. If you're creating it, but not living it yourself, yeah. uh, that, you know, kids are probably the most observant uh, to, to see. So in order to create a psychologically safe or a safe environment for team to try new things is you have to bloody try new things too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's part of the criteria yeah. of a safe environment and yeah. often forgotten, isn't it? That, oh, I've done all of that, but I don't need to do it. And yeah. so I think that is uh, an absolute aspect that comes. It sounds like it's natural to you because it's who you are for others. It might not be so natural yeah. to do all of those things rather than fall into what I've done before and see their yeah. safety as repeat as known, as proven, yeah. to lead by unknown and to do new. It takes bigger bravery for those individuals to do that. And that then ripples out. So I'm glad you shared that um, piece as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's like we talked about earlier, I'm so goal oriented. And by design, I would think I'd be more of a type A personality of I have a goal. I know I'm going to reach that goal. And then I have to take these very specific steps to reach that. But instead I'm super like, I might go here. I might go here. Like what's going to happen today. What are you going to throw at me today? That's going to shift me. Maybe that puts me way over here. And now my goal has shifted a little bit, but that goal is still the same. And so I think raising kids and managing teams is very similar to that. Like yeah. you all have this, this goal in mind. You just have to be adaptive how you're going to reach that goal. <laughs> That's beautiful. That, yeah. That, 
is nice. And just I, I, I want uh, you to share that story because for me, it gave me confidence of how far you've come through your process. Yeah. Um, and I think others will see from the the high to the tragedy to then the story. I want to give them the opportunity to know where yeah. you're at and yeah. that they can also by um by nature of that give them hope as well sure. um yeah yeah so when brian died um you know pretty soon after that i was pretty adamant that even though scuba diving had been a part of our lives for years now and like one of the best part of our lives it was just this this thing that we we just loved and felt like was a part of us like inside of us we we knew and felt like we were scuba divers um, but I now had two, almost three kids to take care of. And I knew the only way to have their story, not be both of my parents died in scuba diving accidents was to not dive. And I was very set of, I can never dive again. Like that would be absolutely insane. Obviously anything can go wrong at any time. It's scary. It's, it would be irresponsible of me to dive what, what if an accident happened? You know, I was scared, obviously. I was very scared. I was very- Paralyzing. Yeah, debilitating. Yeah. Like I, 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 the thought of putting on scuba gear, scuba gear, just, I was okay. I had washed my hands and I was like, I know what, what the ocean looks like. I'm done. I can't do it. Um, turns out I could do it. <laughs> Uh, a year, a year later on the one year anniversary, um, I had had Brian's ashes turned into, it's called a living reef memorial and they take human cremains and mix them with organic material. Um, and you place it on the ocean floor and it becomes part of the local ecosystem. And when I found out about this, I was like, there's, there's literally nothing more that Brian would want than something like this. And uh, so I had one created um, from his ashes, had it flown to Hawaii. And the plan was uh, the person that had bought our sailboat um, that he had sailed across the ocean with, I was thankfully still friends with him. And I was going to be going out on that sailboat with my kids and, and Brian's family. And we were going to watch Brian's dive team lower um, this memorial onto the ocean floor, the exact same place Brian and I had, had dived for the very first time at. Um, and just days before, it was just kind of like eating inside of me. Like, I, I can't imagine knowing that reef is down there and not seeing it with my eyes. I can't imagine like, that's Brian. Like that is quite literally the love of my life. And I can't imagine not having my hands on it and getting to say goodbye. And it's just his dive team. And I'm up on the ocean surface this is the one opportunity. And I know if I don't take it, I'm going to regret it. And for me, the, the idea of, of regret is so much worse than the fear of what could happen. And so just days before I just kind of got it in my head that it would be for me more irresponsible to not be there and to watch my kids, have my kids watch me just live in this state of fear of missing out on something than to actually do it. And I knew who I'd be diving with. I knew it was his dive team. I knew nobody's going to let anything happen to me, um, on that dive. And so I called one of the guys I was coordinating the, the, um, the trip with. And I said, 
Eric, I think I'm going to do the dive. And he said, what? <laughs> and I said, I, I can't not do it. I have to be a part of this. And he said, okay, let's make it happen. And I said, I, I think I need to let everyone know in case they want to back out. This is already a really emotional dive. Um, and now, you know, I'm adding this extra element and, and it could create a lot of uneasiness with, with the dive team. And I understand that, but I can't not do it. And so, um, he's like, Ash, okay, let's do it. And so I called everyone and everyone was like, oh my God, girl, you're insane. You're amazing. Like, I don't think I could do that. Yes. Like you, this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. And so a few days later we flew to Hawaii and on the one year anniversary, um, my family, my kids all got on our boat, stay gold and traveled out to the dive site. And I got all my dive gear on and we dove the wreck that he died on. Um, and then we traveled over and with his dive team, I got to help place his reef that's still there. Uh, and it was, uh, I'm just so grateful that I, I pushed through that fear and that, that pain and put myself in a position that I knew was going to be sad and I knew it was going to hurt and I knew it was going to be so, so scary, but I also knew that I would regret not doing it. And so, um, yeah, I placed his reef and now there's this reef there that anytime I'm in Hawaii, I, I dive with his team or with friends and we go visit the reef and other divers who are diving in the area that know where it is can go visit it. And yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, really gives me um you know emotional chills to hear stories like that and um part of me you know we all try in our own minds to uh understand to rationalize to empathize to do all of these sorts of complex things and for me all i had in my head was that that was brian's doing in my head was that he knew who you were and what you needed in order to uh, unleash who you are <laughs> and to not to have something cut off from you to not dive again. Um, I think he made this happen in that way to get you into that uh, opportunity to overcome it. That's my own little <laughs> mind going in little you know, funny circles and spins. And I think for everyone, when when we face the most challenging times that you just described there, that you knew going into it was going to be um, a whole plethora that isn't just you. It affects the dive team, the family, all of the choices that we make. But those choices made with deliberate intent uh, give the opportunity for great things. Uh, yeah. to come out for you and others and so I am very confident of your surroundings your family your children will become something because of that very moment uh, as well and I know we uh, I, I could talk for a long time with you but I know we mentioned uh, the series of this is us you know yeah. in terms of there's such emotional journeys that you can only watch one or two at a time and yeah what I liked in that is these little moments in our lives that as parents, we don't know the effect we've had on our children. When we're leaders, 
the moments we don't know what effect we've had on people around us. When we are somebody in a team that we might not lead, but we're a component on of how we affect others. And so if we go through life writing the types of histories we want, the event is the event. The history we write and the way we view it is ours. And we can choose what we do with that. And I'm just amazed at the way in which you have written um, you know, the chapters and pages of your journey so far. And I uh, look forward to what else you gift yeah. the world in your experiences. And they're not insignificant. They really are huge ripples and waves that I'm uh, proud to bring to some of our listeners as well. And I wish you and your family an amazing continued exploratory journey of, <laughs> you know, uh, every serendipitous and excitement moment, as well as every goal that you set being ticked. So thank you, Ashley. That's so sweet. Thank you. Do you have the level of adaptability to survive and thrive the rapid changes ahead? Has your resilience got more comeback than a yo-yo? Do you have the ability to unlearn in order to reskill, upskill and break through? Find out today and uncover your adaptability profile and score, your AQ. Visit aqai.io to gain your personalized report across 15 scientifically validated dimensions of adaptability. For a limited time, enter code PODCAST65 for a complimentary AQME assessment. AQAI, transforming the way people, teams and organisations navigate change. Thank you for listening to this episode of Decoding AQ. Please make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast directory and we'd love to hear your feedback. Please do leave a review and be sure to tune in next time for more insights from our amazing guests.